Hello everyone and welcome or welcome back to another episode of Hey Alexa, Am I Dying? A podcast that talks about different diseases and their impact on the human body. Now I'm going to be honest right now, it was a little tough to get today's interview because the topic is niche, Um, but I actually ended up interviewing Sharon Lee from the Canadian Pulmonary Fibrosis Foundation. Um, And we had a great discussion about um, the challenges that people face who are struggling with it. Um, And it's also a topic that's pretty prevalent right now, um, especially among um, my age. Smoking, vaping, stuff like that increases the risk of pulmonary fibrosis. So I'm going to get into that as well. Um, But first, let me explain what it is. So what is pulmonary fibrosis? The condition is fairly simple. Um, It happens when the lung tissues become scarred or damaged. When the tissue becomes thickened, it makes it harder for your lungs to work properly. As it gets worse, it's harder for you to breathe. When a cause of the condition isn't found, the condition is termed to be idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. Um, And that's that the tissue can't be repaired once it gets to a certain point, but medications can help you deal with symptoms. The lung transplant is also possible and sometimes very necessary. So here are some signs and symptoms someone can experience if they have pulmonary fibrosis. A dry cough, weight loss for an unknown reason, shortness of breath, also referred to as uh, dyspnea, fatigue, aching muscles and joints, clubbing, this is when the tips, tips of your fingertips and toes can actually become wider or just bigger in general. And obviously it depends um, case by case if somebody is to have mild symptoms or the very severe illness. Some people can also experience the sickness to become significantly worse very quickly, and that's called acute exacerbation. This can last from a week a few, or a few days to a few weeks, and breathing becomes very difficult at this point, so much so that the person needs a ventilator or liquid oxygen so that they can continue to breathe and different medications are also prescribed by doctors. As I mentioned, this illness scars and makes the tissue of and around the air sacs and lungs to be thicker, so it makes it harder for you to be able to breathe and carry oxygen around the body. It can be caused by many different factors, and the biggest of which is being exposed to toxins. Among young people specifically, I would say there's a pretty serious epidemic regarding vaping and smoking or just putting toxins in the lungs especially it's a pretty harmful addiction and things like smoking marijuana also definitely shouldn't be overlooked though it doesn't have nicotine it can still definitely pollute the lungs vapes have nicotine in them which release a chemical called dopamine in your brain which um, makes you feel good and is highly addictive so that's why it makes your brain kind of crave it more and your tolerance tolerance get can get brought up to a point that you feel the need to inhale it so much more to get that initial high feeling again. THC is what can be found in cannabis and is more harmful to lung health in general than nicotine is, though nicotine is more addictive. When people are in the habit of vaping or smoking for a longer period of time, the more damage occurs to the lungs. Here are some of the things that can happen to your lungs. So silica dust, coal and grain dust, and asbesto fibers um 
some people that have already gotten radiation therapy for lung cancer can still have signs of the damage for a much longer time after the treatment. Drugs that are used for chemo can also damage lung tissue, along with heart meds and some specific antibiotics. Some people with pulmonary fibrosis can also have GERD, which is a disease that causes stomach acid to come back up into the esophagus. However, there's still more research needed to really know why the two diseases are related. So now I'm actually going to be talking about some of the risk factors. So middle-aged and older adults are more likely to buy to be diagnosed, and I think that's one of the reasons for that is because of how the damage in their lungs has kind of gone to a point that this shows up. So it's over a long term where they've experienced damage and shows up when they get older. And men are more likely to get it than women. Um, smoking causes it, obviously. Cancer, medications, medical history, and an occupation that kind of forces you to be in close contact with toxins. Um, so if you're outside in areas with maybe even the raging wildfires, then um, yeah, it's very harmful to your lungs. And some complications that come from it is lung cancer and other lung complications. The blood vessels in the lungs also become can become compressed because of the damage in the lungs, causing the pressure in them to build up in these blood vessels. And if the blood vessels were to burst, especially near the heart, it would be probably it would be fatal. Um, heart failure and respiratory failure. Um, that's when there isn't a high enough level of oxygen in the body. And as I mentioned before, I interviewed Sharon Lee from the Canadian Pulmonary Fibrosis Foundation. And we had a great conversation about the organization and the disease um, and how it's relevant to today, actually, um, and kind of current issues. So without further ado, here is the interview. Um, And so do you just want to introduce yourself and kind of explain your role for the organization? Sure. Um, I'm Sharon Lee. And I am the executive director of the Canadian Polymer Fibrosis Foundation. And uh, my role is to help engage our community, government, and all of our volunteers and the medical profession to come together to find a cure of this disease. Because right now there's no cure, right? Polymer fibrosis is a rare disease because there's only about 35,000 people in Canada has it. And, uh, but we're finding, unfortunately, more and more people with it now because we've done an amazing job in um, explaining what the disease is and um, raising awareness. So now more and more people are thinking, you know, oh, I might have this, talk to their doctor. And their doctor goes, yeah, you might have that. Make a referral to a respirologist who will then really look at it and say, yes, you have the disease or maybe no, you don't. Yeah. Um, and so you mentioned, uh, some stuff, but what's the main goal of the organization is to raise money to help find a cure. So it's, is it mostly researching or also kind of helping to support people? Um, both actually. So our ultimate goal is to eradicate pulmonary fibrosis, right? If we could do that. Um, but right now we're funding research. We are funding fellows so that encouraging more respirologists to um, 
become experts in uh, interstitial lung diseases, which is uh, a PF is part of the family. And, and then we are also supporting people living with pulmonary fibrosis and their family. Because many people, you know, contact us and say, okay, I have this disease. Um, you know, what are you going to do to help me? And what I always tell them is that we're here to help you live the best that um, you're able to at this moment in time, right? And so recently, we this year, we did a, sorry, last year we did a survey on uh, oxygen because many people with pulmonary fibrosis um, eventually will need oxygen. And depending on where you live, um, getting access to oxygen can quite be a journey in itself because a, it could be very expensive. So, you know, what, how does the reimbursement work, right? B, if you live in a rural area or a remote area, like the indigenous community, um, you might not even get access to oxygen just because you're so far out because oxygen is very flammable, right? So you can't fly with it. Uh, you can only truck it in and, um, and it will evaporate after a while, right? Just because it's a, it's a gas and it evaporates. So it's a really hard thing. And so we did a survey of our, of our patients asking them how they feel about oxygen. Do they use it? Um, you know, what's the main you know complaint they have? And so it's all about access, the, the heavy clumsiness of the equipment, not knowing how to use it. And, um, and the pure simple fact that, you know, not a lot of people are very empathetic oxygen right they go well you know what's the big deal so you have oxygen well you know i was telling people you and i we take breathing for granted because our lungs just naturally work but when yours don't you have to lug in some cases a heavy case of um, liquid oxygen and it's not easy right um i mean i live in toronto and people say, oh toronto is so accessible and I said, yes, Toronto is accessible to some extent, but it really isn't. Because if you look at our TTC, our uh, Toronto Transit Commission, you know, many of the stations have no elevators, no escalators. So how do you get your oxygen tank up and down if you have to lift it and carry it down the stair or up the stair uh, when you can barely breathe? You know how much exertion that takes? Uh, we have this one, one wonderful patient who shared that experience with us. Uh, she said, you know, quite often when I have to navigate and go and see my doctor, I take the uh, transit. And, um, and when I come to those stations, she goes, I now know which ones have elevators or escalators. So I just kind of go around and use those. But sometimes when I'm stuck, I wait for people, for someone to offer. And she said so many times people just keep walking and, and don't even ask. And she said a lot of times she'll say to a homeless person or, or a youth or somebody, and she said, um, if you can help me take my tank up the stairs, I'll give you $5. And so that's what happens, right? And I thought, wow, never thought about that. People just rushing, you know, and, and not even paying attention or just, you know, pretending they didn't see you standing there with an oxygen tank. Obviously, you're having a difficult time trying to maneuver it around, right? Even parking, right? When you go to see your doctor, um, you have to park. You got to get your oxygen tank out of your uh, car. You got to lug it to your appointment. It, it could be a trek. It really can. Yeah. And um, stuff like 
accessibility, you would think that it would be super accessible to everyone, especially in super big cities like Toronto. Um, so I'm actually, yeah, I didn't know that. I, I'm surprised to hear, surprised to hear that. And you know what the other thing patients often tell me, they say, oh, Sharon, you know, I go see the doctor and where their clinic is located. If I need the elevator, I have to go and walk an extra kilometer to get to the elevator, to go up. And then I got to walk backwards to the front of the building to go to the clinic. Wow. So yeah, stuff that you don't really think about how like it's not just a disease it affects the way that you do everything not just doesn't just make it harder for you to breathe um so you mentioned that the number of people that are coming forward with uh the disease is like growing um yes so what are your thoughts on kind of the increasing usage of stuff like nicotine and vapes and weed among especially my generation and how is that going to affect organizations like this that help support those people well research you know shows that smoking can cause damage to your lungs so it could cause pulmonary fibrosis now for vaping I know there are several researchers out there that are conducting research to see what kind of damage could do your lungs. I mean, it's still early. I mean, vaping has only been around for, I think, almost five years. So I'm sure we're starting to see some of the effects. And um, some of the things that we've seen, it's like people don't realize when they're vaping, it's so easy that they do one or two cartridges. But that's like smoking three or four packs of cigarettes, right? So you can think, wow, that's that's going to do a lot of lung damage. But anecdotally, because there's no research that I know of right now, um, I'm sure it will show that it does damage to your lungs. Even the forest fires, right? A lot of the climate change, people are saying that's going to affect our lungs as well. Because forest fires, the burning ambers are so tiny, but your lungs filter them and could damage them, right? So down, you know, five years, 10 years from now, we might see a whole new generation of people that were affected by all those forest fires, right? Yeah, yeah, like people that live um, in those areas and maybe in vulnerable communities that may may not have the shelter um, to stay inside when it's dangerous like that, absolutely. Yeah. And um, so how does the Canadian Pulmonary Fibrosis Foundation address the needs um, of communities that might be marginalized or have a harder time getting help? Great. So as I mentioned last year, we did a patient survey, which we do every two years. So we're coming up in 2024. But in 2022, uh, it's the first time that we added the question for people to identify uh, which community they're affiliated with, um, you know, so that we actually asked diversity question. And so 10% of our community came back uh, to identify themselves as being diverse. And many of them have said that they have felt that there were barriers to them in get, being properly diagnosed and also living in rural and um, marginalized communities. They don't often have access to respirologists, right? I mean, they might have access to a pharmacist, they might have an access to a family doctor, 
but usually they've got one family doctor for like a large, large segment, probably their whole community. And it's really hard, right? And one of the things that we do is that we try to say, you know, to government and advocating to say that if we could continue with telehealth, that more people could access um, the GPs that they need so that they can see and make referrals. And then how do we help them to go to see those doctors? Because a lot of times they have to drive three, four, maybe five hours, right? And uh, and how you know, how do they go manage to do that? Because they have to stay overnight. And so we try to have the community support each other by, um, you know, families hosting somebody or um, the clinic helping them to find a place to lodge for the night. Because it's not easy if you're living far. And if you're from the indigenous community, um, you know, quite often government will fly you down and, and put you up for a night. But quite often they only fly you. They don't fly, you know, someone else in your family to go with you. And that's very difficult. I mean, who wants to go somewhere by themselves? They're A, they're afraid they're in a strange, you know, city. B, they don't have anybody to comfort them to say, you know, it's okay, we can go to this appointment together. Yeah. No, that's totally that's totally fair. Um and shifting to kind of something uh a more um narrowing it down to kind of maybe one person what's sort of like a success story um or just a positive example of how you guys have helped somebody yeah well you know there are actually several of them and i think the thing that we helped someone you know for these individuals was to ask them you know what was their life goal what were they hoping to do so we helped this one lady one of her support group she said she really wanted to go to england but she was afraid because she didn't know how to travel with oxygen and so she joined our support group and our support group helped her with all the information that was already on our website telling her how to apply to the uh, airline about providing her oxygen, how to get her doctor to fill out the forms. And because she was going to England, um, the Canadian Pulmonary Fibrosis Foundation actually reached out uh, to the, our sister organization out there because there's a small pulmonary fibrosis organization in almost every country. So we reached out to them and said, you know, we have someone coming to your country. Could we give them your phone number in case they run into problems? Because, you know, sometimes you don't know, like, what happened if your equipment broke or what happened if you, um, you know, lost your medication. These people understand what you need and they know how to help you to get you that equipment or find a doctor to help you in case of emergency, right? You don't have to explain what your disease is because they already know it. And so she went and uh, she visited her family that she hadn't seen for over three years and she went for three weeks and she was just thrilled she came back she said you know what that was so great thank you so much you made my dream come true and uh, i was able to see my family and have a great time and i wasn't afraid because all along the way um, you have found people that i could call in case i had an emergency or if something happened i didn't understand i could get support so that was very gratifying it's really great to see someone's spirits lifted 
because they felt they accomplished something that they wanted to do. That was one of their goals, to go and visit their family in England one last time, right, while they could. Yeah, and like that, even though that is quite a process, I'm sure it was rewarding um, for that person just getting to getting to travel and do something that they were excited for. Like, I know that for me, I recently got back from a trip to Alberta and I got my wisdom teeth out like two days before we left. And so the whole way there, I was in so much pain. And then I was like, hmm, at least this is gonna be over in a few days and I don't have to live with this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, she said it, she was really comforted that if she got to England, if she ran into problems, that she had someone that she could call who would tell her how to manage it or come and help her figure it out, right? So that was really comforting. She said she didn't have to use them at all, but she did call them to thank them for for being there for her. And so now she said to them, if they come to Canada, that, you know, she would be happy to volunteer to do the same thing, right? Yeah. And that's the thing, like giving back to, then those are the same people that um, give back to the organization and kind of help it keep going, right? Um, And how can people listening help um, the organization kind of achieve the the mission? Well, one of the things we always ask people is if they can help us to raise awareness of this disease. Because so many people um, don't realize that people with this disease, it's an invisible disease. It's not until they're wearing their oxygen um, lanyards and everything that you realize there's something wrong. Otherwise, they look healthy like you and I, right? Except they have this breathing problem. And so we always say to people, you know, if you sign up for our newsletter, oftentimes we'll say, uh, if you can go through this portal here, uh, we have this uh, program that if you put in your poster code, it will tell you who all your elected officials are. And if you can send them an email t- to say, you know, um, I'm very concerned about this disease, like where do you stand? How can you make sure that people with this rare disease are um, able to access all drug treatments and therapeutic treatments, right? Because it's very expensive. And the other thing too, is to come out and uh, volunteer. Like we had in September is Pulmonary Fibrosis Awareness Month, and we have walks across the country. And so we would love it if people came out and helped us to, um, well, a lot of times what we need is people to direct people in the right direction in our walk. They're not very long. They're only about maybe 10 minutes. Um, but, you know, it'd be great so that people know which way to turn and that they're not lost, how to park, and just to come out. And if they can, I always say, you know, even $25 donation, it goes a long way. And I always say if everybody gave $25, just think of what we could do, right? all the things that we can do together helping those individuals because lots of them have extra costs um, involved because a lot of times people with this disease eventually can't work so that's a loss of income and a lot of times if they're one of their family members looking after them as a caregiver um, you know taking them to appointments and everything sometimes they lose their jobs too because employers will say oh you're taking too much time off and um I mean, they don't come out and say it this way, but I know many people have said that all of a sudden their job becomes redundant, right? And then they get laid off, you know? Yeah. Like, really? 
<laughs> so you know there's all sorts of things like that so we try to help people um to figure out like when you're using oxygen how can you get a rebate from the from your province uh for the cost of electricity right because electricity is expensive and if you are using oxygen how do you make sure that you have a backup generator in case the, the, your electrical power goes out right you need something to keep it going it's not like you know you could just say oh i don't need to breathe for the next four hours <laughs> right? yeah. it, it has to still work right yeah but yeah that was very informative you answered all my questions um thank you so much again for taking the time uh i really really appreciate it and i think you guys what you guys do are um i think it's really cool so yeah well, thank you and if i could say you know for your audience if they could check us out at uh, cpff.ca we have lots of patient stories we've got lots of information for you to read and uh, we always tell people you know what this might not be you today but it could be you tomorrow so make sure you take good care of your lungs right your lungs are the one organ in your whole entire body that cannot regenerate itself once your lung damage is done it is done like you just can't go back no diet no drug therapy can ever rejuvenate it so then then you know you have to end up thinking whether or not you want to get a lung transplant and that's a whole other story so yeah thank you for inviting me again i really appreciate it yeah thank you so much And that's everything for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode and learned a lot from it. You can also follow this podcast by clicking the follow button at the top of the page. The Instagram is at underscore H-A-A-I-D. And hopefully I will get another episode to you out very soon. And thanks again to Sharon for letting me interview her. Um, It was really cool getting to speak with her and kind of learning more. And their website information is going to be all in the episode show notes and make sure to also follow them on instagram as well thanks for listening and have a great day night or whenever you're listening to this and i'll be back soon